0: Okay, welcome. If you could all rise for the reading of God's Word, we are in Matthew twenty-four. Matthew twenty-four. Anyone need a Bible? If you do, raise your hand. One Bible here. Matthew. 24, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? For nations will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my sake. And uh, then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound... The love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful that, Lord, you know uh, the beginning and you know the end. And, Lord, we are so thankful that, Lord, we can... Just give over our lives to you. Entrust our lives to you, Lord. That you who are in control, Lord God, of every single event in history, past history, also the future, Lord. God, we we live in a world where there's so much disarray, Lord. Uh, Even our own lives, it seems like sometimes, God. Our jobs, our relationships, our families such disarray, Lord. God, how we look to you to be our rock, to put our feet on a firm place, to, God, just fill us with the Holy Spirit and give us joy and, and, and peace and confidence in a world that really uh, is so difficult to have any of those things, Lord. And we pray that that would happen through your word this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, please be seated. Okay, so we are getting uh, to that point in Matthew where we're discussing uh, what's going to happen during the end times. Now, along the lines of this subject, uh, just wanted to let everyone know that... Uh, this summer, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. As we do each summer, we're going to be closing down the men's group and the women's group, which have been going just fantastic. Been absolutely delighted uh, with with both of uh, those. There's been a lot of participation. They've been real rich times, but we do uh, uh, close those down during the summer. And uh, what we're going to do during the summer months is we're going to merge those two groups and invite others, And uh, we are going to have a home fellowship, uh, looks like on Friday night, starting June 20th, June 30th probably, at the home of uh, Guillermo and and James. And we're going to be having a renowned speaker uh, teach through the book of Daniel, none other than Pastor Scott Richardson is going to be teaching through the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel really uh, is the foundation for a lot of End times prophecy, eschatology, what will happen in, in the latter days. And so uh, it, it's just great timing. Uh, we'll actually probably be finishing up uh, Matthew 24 and 25, about the time uh, the uh, Bible uh, st- uh, study uh, starts. And here's the good news. There's child care. There will be child care. So uh, that will be on a Friday night probably. Uh, could possibly be on a Wednesday, more likely on a Friday And there will be child care uh, for that. But we're in Matthew 24 today. Jesus is a couple days away from going to the cross. He knows he's going to the cross. By this time, he's warned his disciples three times that he's uh, going to die. Uh, But even as he warns them of his upcoming death, he wants to comfort them with the fact that he's going to come again. Uh, and this is something that in many churches uh, isn't given a lot of emphasis, but Jesus over and over uh, says he will, he's going away, but he's going to come again in the flesh to reign on the earth. And that's what Matthew 24 and 25 are all about. And so we talked last week of the importance of uh, not ignoring or avoiding the topic of prophecy. And At Calvary Chapel, we go chapter by chapter through the Bible. So whether we like it or not, we are going to address the subject, and I'm glad for that. And the reason is, is because uh, as you get into the whole area of prophecy in the Bible, uh, it just expands. It will enlarge your view of God. You know, too many churches today, they worship a small God. Too many churches worship a God who is not in control. Too many churches today worship a God who does not keep His promises. Well as you grow in your knowledge of what the Bible says, the New Testament, uh, not to mention the Old Testament, says about prophecy, and there are hundreds of scriptures uh, in the New Testament about Jesus' return and the end time, uh, you will grow as you grow in that knowledge uh, to an understanding of just how big God is. And, and, and I, I, I bristle when I just use the term big to describe God because it's like this little dinky three-letter word. I mean, someone should come up with like a 25-letter word to describe God. He's just so big. So anyway, that's your homework for next week. Come up with a 25-letter word to describe just how big God is. But uh, seriously, the way to understand just how big he is, is one of the ways is studying prophecy. Because uh, when you do, you will uh, understand that God lives outside of time. You know, the, a few months ago someone said, you know, I always hear that God lives outside of time. What on the earth does that mean? Well, uh, prophecy uh, is an example. He knows exactly how history is going to unfold before it ever even takes place. He lives uh, outside of time. History is his story. Uh, He has laid down his story, his plan before the foundation of the world, and it cannot and will not change. And he's in absolute control, and and he keeps every one of his promises he makes in his word. And and who could have uh, uh, known uh, that a thousand years before Jesus was born, uh, when he was going to be born, uh, where he was going to be born, when he was going to die, where he was going to die, how he was going to die... Yet all these things are predicted in the Bible uh, a thousand years before they happened. And it, there are similar kind of predictions about the second coming of Jesus. In fact, where is Jesus right now in Matthew 24? in verse, uh, I think in verse uh, 3 there it says he's on the Mount of Olives. Well, and, uh, the Bible actually says very specifically that it's in that very place where he's going to come again. And it says that when he comes again, uh, he's going to return to Mount Olives. And that is going to precipitate an earthquake which will split uh, uh, Mount of Olives right down the middle. A a tremendous valley uh, going from east to west is going to be created. And guess what? In the 1920s, uh, geologists found a geological fault underneath the Mount of Olives. This has been confirmed many times since then. Running from where to where? east to west, right under the Mount of Olives. It's all going to happen. Jesus is going to come again, and history is unfolding before us. And so studying prophecy will expand your view of God. It will also build up your faith of God. It will also give you a sense of what God's heart is for you because prophecy is all about God's redemption of the world, God's redemption of you and me, God's uh, salvation of you and me. So with that said, Matthew 24, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and, and his disciples came up to show him his, the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as, his, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? Now, I am going to try to make uh, this, uh, these things as simple as I can. Bible prophecy can sometimes be confusing. We have included in the bulletin a chart, which I think says End Times Chronology. It was uh, put together by none other than Pastor Scott. It's actually outstanding. I was looking, taking another look at it yesterday. He handed it out. Uh, when he taught on the rapture about six months ago. And it's just a chronology. I'm not going to be referring to it very much, but feel free to refer to it during the message because it, you know, it includes terms that I may be using. So uh, Matthew 24 starts off with Jesus predicting the destruction of the temple. Uh, It says the disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. Mark chapter 13 says they showed him the stones. What they were actually pointing at was the stones of the temple. Uh, Why? Because they were so gigantic. They were enormous. Uh, you can actually go to Jerusalem today to see sort of the rubble of these stones. Uh, they, uh, the temple, which was built by Herod the Great, it was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, uh, uh, had these gigantic stones. Uh, they were some, many of them were 36 feet long by 7 uh, feet uh, thick. They weighed 50 tons. They actually have found one. You can go there and see it today, which is sort of below the temple and the foundation. Uh, It is 42 feet long, 11 feet high, 13 feet thick, uh, they believe. That's how thick it is. And it's 600 tons. These are gigantic, monstrous stones. And, and, And so the disciples are pointing at them and showing Jesus, Wow, look at those stones, Jesus. Can you imagine him saying that to God? Look at those stones. They're so big. You know, God who'd like, you know, with a little pinch, created Mount Everest, you know. Uh, but anyway, uh, Jesus makes a statement that uh, it would be destroyed and that not one of those stones would be put, would be left upon another. Really a preposterous prediction uh, when you think about it. There were no bombs in 33 AD. How could anyone be able to uh, remove these kind of stones, e- especially like every single one of them? And, and, you know, there are temples all over the Middle East which were stones uh, far, far smaller than these, which are standing today. You know, some of them are in rubble, but you can still see, you know, uh, five or six feet high and this type of thing. Even secular historians or archaeologists are adamant. There is not one single stone left. Uh, in fact, I read a, a, an academic article written by some secular person. You could tell because they're no longer using the word AD. It's like, what do they use now? AC, after the common error. They're trying to revise history. But they... they, um, they uh, they uh, just wrote this, and they're they're adamant that uh, that is there's no stone in place that's part of the temple. What you see is as the wailing wall today, the temple where the Orthodox Jews put their uh, prayer requests in. That was not part of the temple. That that's not even in dispute. Uh, many believe that that many. The, the general understanding is that was a retaining wall, sort of like you have in front of your house when your house is built on a hill. It's a retaining wall of the temple. It was absolutely not part of the temple. I read a very convincing article, by the way, that what you see the Wailing Wall today wasn't even built until 500 A.D. And, and, and so, what you see there in Jerusalem today absolutely is not part was not part of the temple. There is. A uh, unanimity amongst conservative, uh, amongst all scholars, uh, that uh, every stone was was removed, and so the disciples ask in verse three. So when will these things be? May, meaning, you know, when is when is the temple going to be destroyed, and you know, how, how, how's that going to happen? Well, Jesus' answer actually uh, is in Luke twenty one verses twenty through twenty four. Why don't you? turn there to Luke 21. Luke 21. Verses 20. Jesus says, but when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let none of those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress in the land and uh, and wrath upon the people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and, and be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem uh, g- g- by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And so um, what he is saying, you will be able to recognize the time of, uh, th- that the temple is going to be destroyed when the armies of the nations are surrounding Jerusalem. And Uh, 36 years after Jesus uttered these words, they were fulfilled. The events were described by an eyewitness by the name of Josephus, who was a Jewish historian who sort of was also a traitor. He went over uh, to work for the Roman general uh, Titus, and he was an eyewitness. What had happened in about um, 66 AD, some Jewish zealots basically kicked out the Romans who were occupying the land. In 70 A.D., in about March, the Roman general Titus came into uh, Jerusalem and surrounded it for, with three legions, uh, three armies, three Roman armies, essentially. So they couldn't get out. And for five months, they, uh, there were sieges on the city. Finally, in August of 70 A.D., they broke through and... Uh, into Jerusalem. Over a million Jews were killed. It was just an awful slaughter, uh, something that uh, Jesus himself predicted uh, in Luke 19. And, uh, but interestingly enough, the Roman general Titus gave er- orders to preserve the temple. Why? Because at the time, King Herod, who had built it, was so renowned, it would have been like uh, destroying a Michelangelo. Or today, destroying a house or a building that was built by Frank Lloyd Wright. I mean, you, you know, you just didn't do that. And he wanted to preserve it and, and, you know, turn it into a pagan temple. But what happened, and Josephus describes it as one of the Roman soldiers was sort of curious at what was in the temple, and he dropped, mistakenly dropped a torch in the temple, and it began to burn and the the extremely high heat of the flames wound up uh, carrying up the walls, melting the dome, which was made out of gold. The gold, uh, remember, this was one of the most ornate temples of the ancient world. That's why it was one of the seventh wonders. The whole dome was made out of real gold. The gold dripped down into the rocks uh, of the temple. At that time, even though mortar was used to uh, build buildings, uh, Herod didn't do that. He didn't use mortar. He just used gigantic stones. So the, the gold slipped in between the cracks uh, of the stones. And so uh, realizing that there was basically a fortune of gold within these stones, what the Roman soldiers did is they removed them, uh, every single one of them, one by one, in order to retrieve the gold. So every... Uh, every jot and tittle of Jesus' prediction that every stone would be removed came to fruition there. And so... um, uh, you can only imagine though in here in matthew twenty four verses one and two and three, when the disciples are hearing this from jesus they 're pointing at these gigantic stones, and Jesus saying, "Oh yeah, every single one of them is going to be torn down there 's not one that 's going to be left on another." Uh, they 're probably thinking to themselves, "Oh no, here goes Jesus again. I wish he wouldn 't say talk so loud when he said these things. This one 's almost as crazy as the prediction that he 's going to come raise from the dead after three days. You know this type of thing, uh, but uh, uh, many times the words of prophets in the Bible sound like foolishness uh, b- before they were fulfilled. And so even many people uh, today think the predictions of this chapter, Matthew 24 and 25, as well as the book of Revelation and Daniel and Ezekiel and Zechariah, they, they just say, oh, this is perfect foolishness. These things can never happen. Well, they thought it was foolish when Jesus said this about the temple. And it was fulfilled exactly as Jesus predicted. So, Jesus really here in the first few verses is establishing himself as a prophet here, as he does in other places. But many commentators believe, uh, by the way, that the Holy Spirit placed this here in verses 1 and 2 so that you and me, we, would take the rest of the chapter seriously. I mean, if this came true, we, that means the rest of the chapter is probably going to come true, so we better take it seriously. So, let's continue there in verse 3. It says, the second question, it says, the disciples, actually, they first asked, tell us, when will these things be? The second question is, and what will be the sign What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So, for the rest of the chapter, it's really talking about what are the signs that Jesus is going to come and uh, what are the signs that the age is going to end. Now, the age there, that doesn't mean world. It's not not talking about the end of the world. It's talking about more, uh, the word is eon. I think we get the word eon from it. It's more like an era. Uh, for our purposes, it's the end of the age here means uh, when is the world going uh, w- w- to, the world the way we know it today, which is characterized by sin, which is characterized by pain and turmoil, which is characterized by a population that the, actually the Bible says is the world's being uh, held under the sway of the devil, 1 John chapter 5 says. When is, when is that age going to end and, and when are you going to come in, Jesus, and reign course they didn't think he had to die first they just thought he was going to do it right then and there but uh, they wanted to know when the the age as they know it which was just filled with oppression and sorrow uh, when was that going to end and and jesus reign uh, characterized by peace and goodwill and godliness when was that going to begin well in verses 5 through 14 jesus uh, gives uh, five uh, i would say kind of signs that a believer in Christ should look for. And even someone who doesn't believe in Christ, if they would only look at this uh, and, and in order to, to try to see if the time of Jesus' return is near. Better put, there are five different kinds of birth pangs that will occur prior to really a birth. Look at uh, verse 8 there. Uh, Verse 8 there of Matthew 24. Jesus said, In all these, he's referring to these signs, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Now that word sorrows there is the Greek word odine, which was most commonly used in ancient Greek for birth pangs. Now, what happens to birth pangs after they begin? Uh, we have a whole host of women in this church who recently, some very, very recently, uh, have experienced this very thing. What two things happen after, to birth pangs after they begin? One, they increase in frequency. Two, they increase in frequency. Intensity. Ah! Intensity. That's right. Birth pangs increase in frequency and intensity. I tell you, uh, my respect for what women go through during the birthing process increased about 100-fold in one night. It was the night my first child, Sam, was born. Uh, My wife, Stephanie, a.k.a. Superwoman... Uh, had all five of our children uh, with no medication of any kind. Now, some of you are looking at me kind of funny. I had nothing to do with it. I had nothing to do with it. You know, it was her thing. I thought it was weird myself. But let me tell you, guys, one thing you don't want to do when your wife is in labor is argue with her. Man, if she wants drugs, you get those drugs. Uh, You know, if she doesn't want drugs, say, okay, you're crazy, but, you know, don't have any drugs. So that's sort of how I was with uh, Stephanie. But, I mean, the pain uh, I saw her go through, I mean, it was the real thing. I mean, her whole body, it was heaving their whole body. I mean, it was like uh, shaking, Uh, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, anyway, I'll stop. uh, I'll stop. I promise. (laughs) But it was the real thing. And uh, so birth pangs, after they begin, they become more frequent and they become more heavy. And the birth pangs Eventually, end with what the birth itself, which is the longest and most sustained period of pain i mean that 's when the screeching starts, folks <laughs> you know you know when, when, during that the actual birthing pr- process. Uh, you know, it's the longest and most sustained period of pain. And, of course, after it all finishes, there's new life, there's new joy, and there's a sense of triumph. And that's what Matthew 24 is getting at, what Jesus is getting at. There will be birth pains which precede a prolonged period, a three-and-a-half period that's in your chart there. Uh, of pain and sorrow called the tribulation period. Jesus describes the prolonged period of pain and sorrow in verses 21 and 22. Just skip over there. He says, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days Will be shortened. So, just as after a woman's birth, just after, just after, as a woman's birth, uh, there's great triumph and joy. Same thing will happen after the tribulation. Period where Jesus will come to establish his reign on earth, a thousand year reign, a period which will be virtually unrecognizable to the period we have now. Uh, During that period, you will not have to wake up and read the morning paper about the murders that happened the day before, the rapes, the child molestations, the kidnaps, the corporate frauds, the embezzlements. Uh, You won't have to read about laws passed to legalize abortion and homosexuality and euthanasia. Uh, yesterday, I just read about uh, a, a judge in Iowa that's ordered the prison fellowship ministries out of prisons there. Prison fellowship ministries, which, by the way, over the last 20 years are responsible for literally tens of thousands uh, of uh, 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 of prisoners who were just hardened felons being reformed and, and coming to Christ and going out and... and, and and leading law-abiding lives. Meanwhile, the, 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 the rest of the population is just going out, committing other felonies, and going back in again. And, and this is the, the, the ministry that, that this judge is kicking out of the Iowa jails. And so, but in the in the thousand-year reign when Jesus comes and establishes His reign again, we're not going to have to read headlines like that. In fact, the um, headlines will be very very boring. I mean, you will uh, p- pick up the morning paper and, and read, you know, for the 197th uh, year in a row, the crime rate in Boston was zero. <laughs> there were no arrests made during the 12-month period. I mean, it'll get very boring. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11 says, uh, In that day, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, the nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, the weaned child shall be, shall put his hand in the viper's den, they shall not hurt nor destroy, and all The holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day there shall be the root of Jesse. Who's the root of Jesse? That's Jesus. He is the descendant of Jesse, the father of David. Who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. That is what it's going to be like. And so, that's at the, uh, immediately following the tribulation period. Uh, that's what we are going to have. And so, can you imagine that? Well, yes, you can more than imagine because the same Bible that predicted the time and place and manner of Jesus' birth and death also predicts uh, that will happen when he returns. So, is everyone with me? Matthew 24, five general areas of birth pangs, which are signs that the real thing is coming soon. The first set of birth pangs pertain to Spiritual deception. Spiritual deception. Read uh, verses 4 and 5 with me. It says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Look at verse 11 now. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. So this is the birth pang. Uh, And so you may ask, Well, what's the real thing? In other words, what's going to happen in the tribulation that's like the birth, the birthing process, the time of the, the, the really, really bad spiritual deception? Well, turn with me to Revelation chapter 13. Last book in the Bible, Revelation chapter 13. Now, in, the, in Revelation is where you read about the things that happen in the tribulation. Revelation's the real deal. Matthew 24 is just signs of the real deal. Signs which we're supposed to look for to, so we can know the real deal is coming. And in uh, Revelation chapter 13, verse 11, this is talking about the spiritual deception, the real thing, the big thing, uh, brothers and sisters, that's going to happen during the Great Tribulation. Verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. So on the outside, he looked like a lamb. On the outside, he looked like someone we could trust. In his heart, though, he was like a dragon. Verse 12. And he exercises all authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. So he's talking about two beasts. This one that rises up is... The second beast. And but the second beast causes everyone in the world to worship the first beast. That's the deception. Whose deadly wound was healed. So what happened was the first beast had died. The first beast is who? The Antichrist. And the Antichrist, one of the ways he's going to be ushered into power, he's going to be convinced the whole world uh, that he's such a charismatic man and and worthy of following. He's actually going to die, and this second beast is going to rise up, and he's going to uh, convince everyone to worship the first beast, the Antichrist, by Healing the deadly womb, verse thirteen, he performs great signs so that even he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and he deceives those who dwell in this earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, so that is the real deal that 's the great deception that is going to happen in the uh, tribulation period. The, the, the second beast, by the way, is uh, what is known as, a, as he's going to be a leader of a one-world apostate church during the time of the, of the tribulation. Now, remember, if you refer to your charts, by this time, the time of the trib- tribulation, the church is gone. It's been translated. It's been raptured out. Uh, the, The Bible says that the church, you and me, if you've been born again by the spirit of God, you have not been appointed to wrath. The tribulation period is about the wrath of God. Uh, uh, which has been stored up for 6,000 years, uh, judging uh, wickedness and, and sin as, as, a, as a just God, has no choice but to do, and so the, the church is out, but what happens, there's going to be a worldwide church that's going to form, uh, and there's going to be a leader of that church, and that leader is sort of going to be in partner with the uh, Antichrist himself, and that leader is going to perform signs and wonders, going to raise that Antichrist from the dead, which is is going to cause... A tremendous marveling throughout the world, and, and they will start following this uh, this Antichrist. Now, you may be thinking, whoa, <laughs> this is the Bible? I've never read anything like this. Well, yes, this is the Bible. And, and, and so uh, there's a lot of figure, uh, there, there's a lot of sort of uh, imagery here and s- symbolism, but it's talking there in Revelation 13 about real events, real people, real things, and it's the real deal. What's the signs of the real deal? deal, the birth pangs are the real deal, back in Matthew 24. Go back there with me. Spiritual deception. It's the first kind of birth pang, the spiritual deception. And so, um, you, some of uh, the spiritual deception, uh, the next question to ask ourselves is, well, uh, how about the generation that we live in? Uh, is Do we see an increasing frequency and greater intensity of spiritual deception in the world? Because, let's face it, entire human history has been filled with spiritual deception. But are we seeing birth pangs, meaning increasing frequency and intensity of spiritual deception? Uh, Many would argue yes. Many would argue yes. Consider the likes of Benny Hinn. Some of you may recognize that name. Let me tell you, he's engaged in a great spiritual deception. He's a man who uh, holds himself out as a Christian evangelist and miracle worker, but he's gone on record as saying that when God looks in the mirror, he sees me. That's what Benny Hinn says. He gets before uh, uh, before his audiences, and I have heard this myself, and he encourages them to say the same thing. I am God. He says... I am God. He also calls himself God's anointed spokesman. Remember what Jesus said. He said, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. That's what he is doing. It is not unusual for Benny Hinn to have audiences of over 1 million people at his crusades. He's coming to Boston this July. Uh, and, and, and when he comes, many times the government officials uh, will rush to sort of be by his side. And, and, and so he, he performs miracles at this per, uh, at this crusade. And for many of those who may be familiar with him, don't be so quick to say they are, his miracles are false. Remember what the Bible says that in the last days, fa- false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And remember the real thing we just read about. It was a real sign. The Bible says that... Satan can masquerade himself as an angel of light and in the latter days that there will be real miracles uh, to deceive people. And then Jesus says, even the, left, even the elect, if that were possible. In, in other words, uh, that's not going to happen because if you're one of God's chosen ones, you're not going to be deceived, but but he will deceive many in the latter times. Consider Sun, young moon. He was more popular when I was uh, in my in the 70s, uh, later on in the 80s. But he uh, started a church called the Unification Church with two million adherents worldwide. Presidents would be fawning over this, this guy. Presidents of the United States. Uh, and, but yet he said he advocated a one-world religion, and, and he said that he was the Messiah. He used to teach that. What did Jesus say? Many will come in my name, saying, I am the one. Now, uh, consider also this. And, and be a little patient with me, and, and I, I, I just ask that you not be offended and hear me out. Consider Oprah Winfrey. Now, before you before you chuckle, consider this article that came out just a couple months ago in USA Today. It's about Oprah Winfrey. It says, After two decades of searching for her authentic self, exploring New Age theories, giving away cars, trotting out fat, recommending good... Uh, good books and tackling countless issues, Oprah Winfrey has risen to a new level of guru. She's no longer just a successful talk show host, host wor- worth $1.4 billion. Uh, She has become, uh, for the new millennium, a moral voice of authority for the nation. Is she the spiritual leader of the nation? Karen Lopton, a professor at Reed College, says she's really hip and materialistic. Mother Teresa. Uh, she has emerged as a symbolic figurehead of spirituality. In a November poll, November of last year, uh, I, I, conducted by BeliefNet, a site that looks at how religions and spiritually, spirituality intersect with popular culture, 33% of respondents said that Winfrey had a more profound impact on their spiritual lives than their clergymen. Uh, Kathleen Falsani, religion writer for the Chicago Sun-Times, recently suggested, I wonder, has Oprah come become America's pastor? Oprah said in a 1989 story by Barbara Grazitti of the New York Times, uh, calling, she, call, call, she called her show her ministry. And, one of, uh, and so the, the next question that you need to ask is, so what does she believe? What does she believe? Uh, it, it, and it says here that um, Oprah is a preacher. Actually, w- what the articles say is she's a preacher of New Age theology. She has New Age gurus and writers and speakers who appear on her show. And this is her quote: "God is in all of us. My greatest teaching is the wizard in the Wizard of Oz, where the Good Witch says to Dorothy, You always have had the power, my dear.' In the program, Oprah revealed that she doesn't think God is hung up on what you believe. Uh, or, b- but she believes God or whatever is a force. Uh, it doesn't. He doesn't care, or it doesn't care what you call it. He doesn't have an ego problem, she states. I believe in the force. I call it God. She also said if you believe in a rhythm of nature and in love, you believe in God. Uh, and, and so Professor Catherine Lofton of Portland, Oregon calls Oprah a figurehead of spirituality. Marsha Nelson, not sure, sure who she is, says that uh, uh, it's not too, going too far to call her a spiritual leader. I've said to a number of people she's today's Billy Graham. So, let's test this against Scripture, the beliefs that, that Oprah is, is promoting on her show. 1 John 4, 1-4 says, uh, says this. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus, of, Jesus is Christ and that he has come in the flesh is not God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now in the world. So here's, here's the rub, brothers and sisters. Oprah has a viewing audience of 50 million viewers a week. 50 million viewers. Oprah gets 25,000 letters a week. 25,000 letters. And you thought you were popular in high school. <laughs> I, I, I mean, no one, I would venture to say that no one, even remotely, has the kind of a platform to air anything, much less spiritual views. There is no one even close. Billy Graham is not remotely close to 50 million people a week every single morning. That, yeah, I mean, that, that is just a phenomenal influence. And, 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 and when you believe that God is a force that's in everyone, you are denying <laughs> the fundamental teachings of Jesus Christ. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I mean, why do you need Jesus if we all have God in us? That The Bible teaches the opposite is the case. That we desperately need God because we don't have God in us. We have sinned. We have rebelled. We have created a wall of separation because of our disobedience to God. 50 million viewers a week. I would argue that is unprecedented unprecedented in the history of the world. It sounds to me like a birth pang that is getting more frequent and more intense. Are we getting close? I hope so. That's the first sign, spiritual deception. The second uh, kind of birth uh, pangs mentioned in Matthew 24, political upheaval, verse 6, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Meaning, when, you, when, you, when there's increasing wars, intensity and frequency, uh, you will know that the time is coming. So what is the real deal, the real thing? It's in Revelation 19.19. Uh, 19. You don't have to... Go there. But it says there, Then I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Some people tie this to Revelation 9, which talks about an army of 200 million people. That's the real thing. At the end of the tribulation period, there will be a war, a worldwide war, the scale of which the world has never seen. But back here in Matthew 24, verse 6, Jesus says that you will know the end is near by birth pangs such as war increasing in frequency and intensity. Now, are we seeing that today? Some say no. Others say yes. Consider this article uh, entitled Realities of War, written in April by a guy named John Arquilla of the Nuclear Age Peace Foundation. It's not a religious organization. It says this, Far from becoming more peaceful, the world is growing more violent. Since World War II... Uh, Each of ten conflicts has killed more than one million people, and terrorism threatens large-scale death. The idea that war is on the wane, a theory advanced in in several recent studies. By the way, remember in the end times, the Bible also says that people are saying peace, 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 like everything is okay when the exact exact opposite is going to happen. He goes on to say the idea that war is on the wane, a theory advanced by these recent studies, is appealing but is also dangerously misleading. From 1850 to 1900, there were two wars which killed at least one million people. From 1900 to 1950, there were four wars that killed a a million or more people. From 1950 to 2000, there were ten wars which killed one million or more people. It has been reported that more people were killed in wars in the 20th century than all other centuries combined. And and although since the close of the Cold War in 1990, uh, there's been a reduction in large wars, uh, in the the same period of time, there's been a 400% increase in the United Nations dispatching their peacekeeping forces uh, to trouble spots around the world. Could could these be birth pangs of the real thing? Are we getting close to the return of Christ? The third group of birth pangs uh, pertains to turmoil in the natural realm. Verse 7, for nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. That's actually referring to the wars. But then it says, And there will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. Luke chapter 21 adds this, And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress of nation with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. So those are the birth pangs. Well, what are the real, what's the real thing? Revelation chapter 6 verse 12 says, I, look, I looked... This is John talking John on the island of Patmos the apostle John I looked when he and when he opened the sixth seal behold there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became blood Revelation 8 says this, When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in the heaven for about a half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and earthquakes. So that's the real thing. So the question is, are we seeing today birth pangs of the real thing growing in intensity and Uh, frequency. Well, earthquakes, there's arguments both ways. Uh, In the last, there's been no increase in large earthquakes, although there's been increase in deaths from earthquakes. Last year, there was 75,000 killed in Pakistan. In 2004, 40,000 killed in Iran, 280,000 in Indonesia. In 1976, uh, there was one in China which killed 650,000 people. Famine. It also mentions famine in uh, Matthew 24. Uh, There's a serious famine going on right now in Africa and parts of Asia. Pestilences, meaning diseases. Uh, The real eye-opener in this area are sexually transmitted diseases. It's just absolutely shocking. And it's, by the way, one of the best-kept secrets how the prevalence of sexually transmitted diseases, someone has an agenda who's trying to to cover this thing up, one out of every two people in the world will have uh, a sexually transmitted disease, many of which, by the way, uh, uh, lead to cancer, uh, not to mention other kinds of debilitating things, Uh, but one in two people of the world will have a, a sexually transmitted disease during their lifetime. There are 40 million people in the world infected with AIDS. Entire countries of Africa are at risk of imploding uh, because of this. And so, But uh, one area where it is certain that we're in a period of birth pangs is that in Luke 21, which speaks of seas and waves roaring. What do you think that's referring to? Hurricanes, seas and waves roaring. I don't know if you've ever been in a hurricane. I've been within 10 miles of an eye of two, uh, and Hurricane Bob... Hurricane uh, David. And I'm telling you, when you talk about roaring, it sounds like a a fleet of of fighter jets are going over your house when when you're in a a hurricane. And by anyone's account, there has been a remarkable increase in hurricane Between uh, 1995 and 2001, they doubled. Last year, there was a record 27 storms, and the weather experts are expecting that to continue. In fact, we're supposed to get one here in in Boston uh, in the next uh, couple of years. Consider this quote last fall from CNN.com. Hurricanes aren't behaving like many of us are used to them behaving. They're bigger and meaner and more numerous than many people have seen. Sounds to me like birth pangs growing in frequency and what intensity. So the fourth group of birth pangs is described in Matthew verse 10. What is that? Persecution. Verse 10. And then many will be offended and rather go to verse 9. Persecution will increase in intensity and frequency. Verse 9, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Christians dying uh, because of their fate. Uh, faith. So what's the real thing? What's going to happen in the tribulation? That's the real, real thing. Listen to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which uh, no one could number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Then one of the elders answered, uh, to me, saying, "Who are these arrayed, arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from?" And I said to him, "Sir, you know." So he said to me, "They are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and wash their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb." And so, during the re- re- uh, the tribulation period, a tremendous worldwide persecuted, a persecution of people who have given their life to the Lord. Are we seeing birth pangs of this today, of the real thing? Well, many who live in the United States would assume not. That kind of stuff doesn't happen here. People don't get killed because they believe in Jesus. Well, according to CBN worldwide, though, uh, an estimated 200 million Christians suffer interrogation, arrest, and death for their faith. In the year 2000, 165,000 Christians, 165,000 Christians died as a result of, uh, of religious or ethnic conflict, uh, particularly is uh, there's, there's a rise in, in the Muslim world. So birth pangs of the real thing. The fifth one, the fifth group of birth pangs mentioned in 11, 12, 11 and 12, it says, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. So what's, the, what's this about? Just there a, a, a time where the love of men and the love of women grow cold, where people no longer have a, a, an appreciation for life. Where, where people are just lulled into not caring about God, about the things of God, about the Word of God. And the, what's the real thing in the Revelation? Well, the real thing in the book of Revelation, we've already read in chapter 16, where the whole world is just deceived into believing, the, uh, uh, into following the Antichrist. And so you ask, well, uh, are we in the midst of birth pangs, uh, growing... Uh, Love, you know, sort of the love of man growing cold in greater frequency and in greater intensity. Are we in uh, a time like that? Well, you know, a lot of things can be said, pro and con, in this area, uh, I suppose. But i got to tell you, I read an article in the Boston Globe last Sunday, which to me just hit it right on the nail. You know, I can get into the whole thing with, you know, 20% of uh, Internet traffic is for pornography, uh, to the growth of uh, the, the, just the, the just the suicide rates, the murder rates, and, 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 and this child molestation, and, and this type of thing. But to me, this article hit it on the head. On Mount Everest, the week before last, there was a man, an engineer, who got to the top. He was walking, uh, tried to get back, and a few hundred feet from the top, he just... Uh, he just couldn't go on anymore, and he was suffering, and he was by himself. He was dying. Forty people walked right by him, knowing what was going on. They knew he was dying, and yet they went on anyway. And they were interviewing these people, and, 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 and the reason given for, for not stopping and helping this dying man was they were going to lose their investment. It cost 25000 to $50,000 to have guides and, and, and go to the top of Mount Everest. And, and they were going to lose their investment if they stopped and helped this man. And, and you know, they started giving the excuses like, you know, we've got to take care of ourselves, and he was going to die anyway. They interviewed one guy who was a a world... Uh, they interviewed a couple of world-famous mountain climbers who were just utterly appalled at this behavior. And and, and they said, well, whatever happened to just staying with someone until they died? Even if you can't help them, you stay with someone until they die and do what you can. I mean, isn't that what our mothers taught us? And so, Jesus says, in the latter days, the love of men will grow cold. Now, to me, what's so significant about this article, you may may be wondering why I'm getting all uh, hyped up uh, so much energy here. The reason is, those 40 people, remember how much they're paying? $25,000, $50,000 to get to the top. These are the people we hold out in this world as the prominent leaders of society, the lawyers, the investment bankers, the finance officials. These are the people that we hold out as leaders. And they are going right by this guy who was dying. And they could have rescued him. They, they talked to you know, some other experienced mountaineers. that They could have. They just wanted to get to the top. The, Jesus says in the latter days, the love of men will grow cold. And so the question is, are we experiencing those uh, birth pangs? Are we in the, in the latter days? I'm going to close with uh, this. You know, the, the, the good news, of course, is that all of these things should be making us really excited. Because if we have placed our trust in Christ, the Bible says that he is going to remove us that one day at the twinkling of an eye, we will be, uh, we, our bodies will be changed and we will meet the Lord in the air. And, and so we need to be excited about it. But there is a verse here who's troubled many people. Uh, in verse 13, I want to close with this. Again, verse 12, it says, And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Now, what in the world does that mean? Well, this is what it means. In the latter days, and again, we could be very well be in those latter days, people are going to be seeing these things, increasing wars in intensity uh, and frequency, the love of men growing cold, hurricanes, and this type of thing. Many people during that time will decide to do, just as they. many people decide in, in, in the Great Tribulation, Instead of following God, instead of finally getting getting it and giving their lives over to God, they will go off and and, and chase some other kind of comfort, some other source of safety, whether it's government, which is usually the case. They'll hold on to government or they'll hold on to the military. They'll put their trust in finances and their 401K or whatever. And Jesus says, you know, when all these things happen, he who endures to the end will be saved. In other words, he who just continues to trust the simple message that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, there's no good work that can get any man or woman, uh, boy or girl, into heaven. It's simply the blood of Jesus. Those who just continue to walk in sort of the very simple faith, he says, they will be saved. But... He also is referring here to many, many people, most people who will be chasing some other form of security during this time. If you're here in this church this morning and you have never opened up your heart and said to Jesus, come in. I want to give you my life. I want to just trust in you in this latter generation. I'd like to speak with you after the service because you can do that with a simple prayer of faith. For the rest of us, it really is time to get excited. And, and, and I encourage you uh, to go off and do your own research on these things because, you know, people can twist numbers and manipulate things and make things seem like they really aren't. Don't believe me in what I say. You know, go and do your own research. If you conclude something different, God bless you you know our basis of fellowship is not it, it, our fellowship is not based on whether we agree we're in the last the latter days or not it's our our basis of fellowship is Jesus Christ but but do get into prophecy because even th- this morning hasn't your view of God just been enlarged i mean don't don't you just look at him he's just so much bigger and you know whatever that 25 letter word is you know he, he just, he, he, he's just he's just he 's just he 's outside of time and he 's so much in control of our lives, but if you 've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you 've never made him Lord and master of your life, if you 've never taken your your hand uh, off that idol off that thing that you rely on and just uh, given n- not only your hands but your feet, your eyes, and your mind to him this morning, please come after me come to me after the service, and we can pray uh, that uh, that uh, Jesus will come into your life and you can become a part, a member of the family of God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you uh, for this, uh, the, the all the wonders that are in your word, the marvels that are in your word. And I just, uh, Lord, we just pray that you just continue to, to keep us in awe, Lord God, of you. Lord, you are known by your names. And so, you know, words like human words like big and things like that they don't fit you lord god but you 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 are holy and you are love and 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 you are jealous that's what your word says and 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 we worship you um as your name suggests we should worship you you are awesome lord and god i just uh we just pray and thank you, Lord God, just for the body of Christ, for the blood of Christ, Lord, that saves us, Lord God, for the fact that any time we, we, can, uh, we, we stumble and fall, we can uh, ask you, Lord, to forgive us of our sins, and you're faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, Lord. We thank you for that. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, God bless you. And if anyone does need prayer, please come up.